Greetings, everybody. How you doing today? It's Joe Driscoll back with the Salt City Grind. Hope everybody's feeling all right. Uh, my guest tonight is John Moss. How you doing today, John? I'm doing all right, man. It's good to see you. I uh, it, it feels weird seeing you like this. I feel like we run into each other on the streets of downtown Syracuse um, about once a week or so. And I think the last time I saw you, we were grabbing lunch at Original Grain. So yes. uh, it's, it's I'm doing well, but uh, you know, hopefully we get back to a, a place like that soon. Yeah, I know. It's it's funny that I should see you today because I was actually contemplating running down to Original Grain <laughs> today. I was like, I've been really good, man. I've been taking the I've been taking the the crisis serious. Me and my wife, yeah. we cook rice and beans, and we we keep our heads down, you know. But today I was I was fiending for a little Original Grain, but I didn't I didn't give in to the didn't give in to the urge. Yeah, well, someday soon maybe we can uh, we can grab a Kelbo soon. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you know, you are the, the central New York rep for, um, Letitia James, the New York state's attorney general. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how your background, where you were born and raised, yeah. uh, you know, why did you decide to settle in Syracuse and how'd you end up at this position? Sure. I'd be happy to. So, um, I'm not a, I'm not a Syracuse native. Um, I was born and raised in Rochester, New York. Um, went to McQuay Jesuit in Rochester. Um, McQuay Jesuit brought me to Syracuse. I went to LeMoyne College, um, continued my four years of Jesuit education there. Um, just really fell in love with Central New York and, and how similar it was to a lot of the things that I loved about Rochester, um, but also brought a lot of different flavors too that I was really interested in exploring and learning a little bit more about. Um, so I actually um, was a political science major with designs and plans to go to law school. You know, I, it's funny, I didn't really uh, have, I was interested in politics along the way, but it was sort of secondary to some of my other interests. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I was a business major, I ended up changing again. Um, so I kind of landed on political science, but again, it just as an avenue and a vehicle to get me into law school, because that's what everyone seems to do is you either history of political science and you go to law school. So about six months from graduation, you know, a lot of my friends and buddies are studying for the LSAT. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm a little burnt out from school. I, you know, my senior year, I was having probably a little too much fun. And uh, I said, okay, well, let me look for a job that can allow me to reset a little bit, um, ideally like in a legal setting and can get my feet wet, get some experience under my belt, um, maybe chip away at a loan or two and then pick up the books back again and go back to school. Um, so I honestly was just applying to everything I could get my hands on. I was applying to, um, you know, things in Rochester, Boston, New York City, um, I quite honestly was not focused or even willing to live and work in Syracuse. It just wasn't a thing for me. It never really was. Like, I liked going to college here. I had a lot of friends from here. Um, so there was a posting. I was 20 years old posting for um, a job as an executive assistant at the New York City Attorney General's office. So, like, cool. You know, executive assistant, New York Attorney General. I don't know what the New York Attorney General is, but it's attorney. And I want to go to law school. So that sounds good. So I applied for it. I interviewed for it. It's based here in Syracuse. It's working for a guy named Marty Mack, who's a former mayor of Cortland. And it's, uh, he's in charge of, at the time, was in charge of 13 regional offices, Buffalo up to Watertown and down to Suffolk on Long Island. So I interviewed for him. I thought the interview went really well. Um, he was really interested in my LeMoyne background. I really was appreciative of what LeMoyne meant to the community. And we, we definitely checked a lot of the same boxes for interest along those, along those lines. Um, and I was really excited for it. You know, it gave me exa everything I wanted, working in the attorney's office, plan to stay for one year, then can maybe 
go to SU or, or go somewhere else. It is in Syracuse, but I'll deal with it. Um, so I end up not getting the job and I was really bummed out and I was like, Oh no. So now what do I do? So I ended up defying my will and, and getting back in my minivan at the time and driving back to my parents' house and a bit, no joke. I, I barely unpacked. I've left everything in my parents' living room for a week. I went back to my old landscaping job that I had in college. And I was just kind of really bummed out. And, you know, life has a funny way of making this stuff work, right? So I, I go back on my first day of landscaping. I'm like, this sucks. I, I have a college degree, got nothing to show for. I'm working landscaping, the same job I had the summer before. And the candidate that they had chosen to work at the AG's office just bailed at the last second. Wow. So I get a panic, panic call from Marty Matt saying, hey, if you're still interested, um, you know, the job is yours. You have an offer, but you got to get here tomorrow. And I was like, I'm in Rochester. And he's like, well, you know, the job is yours. So I like, you know, thank God for my parents. We had a whole setup going. I was able to like fax all my forms over to HR that day, hopped in the car the next morning, commuted for a couple of weeks from Rochester to Syracuse to start this gig. Ended up moving to Syracuse, but not having an apartment, living on a futon for a couple months, finally got an apartment. And so once I finally got settled, I was like, okay, now I can actually focus on, you know, getting my, my ducks in a row to go back to law school. This, this is starting to work out. I'm not too thrilled about being in Syracuse, but at that point, I, I had a girlfriend that uh, I, was, I was seeing who is now my wife, um, who is from Syracuse and living in Syracuse. So that was certainly an added bonus. And, um, you know, start really thinking about going to law school. And then I, I start looking at the AG's job and I'm getting a little bit more entrenched with the AG. And one year becomes two years, two years becomes three years. I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing with Marty, learning about the office, learning about all the different levers that the AG's office has to help people. And I kind of did an internal audit to myself. And I said, you know, why do I, do I want to be a lawyer? Like, what do I want to do with law? Like, what's the end goal of law? Right. And ultimately, I learned that it's to help people, you know, and, and I'm mission oriented. And I always was back in high school and college. My parents raised me to do that way and seek value in others and make sure you're, you're working towards that. And um, I kind of had this come to moment where, you know, this job that I thought was just going to be a landing spot to get my feet wet in a law office is actually uh, really helping me achieve what I'm hoping to achieve in my young career. So it was supposed to be a six month to one year landing spot. I ended up working out to be about five years. Um, worked for Marty, just and my, still my number one mentor and an incredible advocate and everything I look for in a public servant. And um, then I, I, I got an offer that I, at the time, couldn't refuse to go back to Lemoyne and work in development and alumni and advancement. And at the time, I told Marty when I put my notice in, there's only one place in the world right now that would pull me away from the AG's office, and it's my alma mater. So I went and worked in advancement, um, which was you know, great for me. I'm an extrovert and I knew the place inside and out. I love the people and love the mission and the institution. Um, and I really, really just love that job. Got to work on my relationship building skills. And then 2016 happened. And, you know, I'm not sure if you remember at 2016 at this point, it feels like 30 years ago, but there was a, <laughs> there was a big uh, shift in the national landscape, if you remember correctly. And, um, you know, it really kind of got me engaged again in political scene and really paying attention to things that mattered. And I was picking up, you know, here and there along the way um, of not, not so much local politics, but, but certainly what was happening on the national level. 
Um, and I think I'm sure you can attest to this too. There's just something inside of you that's like, you know, I sit here every night and every morning and I read about these things and I just read it and I digest it and then I move on. Like you, you hit a certain point where you want to just stand up and do something about it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I got more and more into it and um, really serendipitously an opening popped back up at the AG's office. Um, there were some massive, massive, massive shoes to fill. I think you know who I was going to replace. <laughs> um, but these, you know, this, this role opened up and um, a former colleague of mine that I had gotten to know the first time around reached out to me and he said, hey, you know, like, I don't know what you're up to or if you even have any interest in this. Um, but we do have an opening, you know, we're, we're kind of scaling up a little bit. Would you be interested in coming back? And, you know, I really didn't have the relationships that I quite honestly needed for this role at the time. I had relationships within the AG's office. I had relationships via Lemoyne and, and doors that was able to open for me. But I didn't have the, the right community building initiatives, the right, the right advocates to talk to, the right elected officials to talk to. But I've always been really confident that I can quickly build up. And so I interviewed. Um, and thankfully, I got an offer. And again, I had to go to Lemoyne and say, listen, I did this two years ago, but there's one place that I... I would leave this place for, and it's to go back to the AG's office. Um, and I've been there. It was my two-year anniversary in March, um, and I'm having so much fun. I mean, it's just the mission is right, and it, it checks every single box of, for a place that I look for. Um, so then I've been here, and I've only been, uh, you know, I, I, I hit the ground running. I got to meet people like you, um, and I've, uh, I'm trying to, trying to do it the right way. So that's, that's how I got into this beat. Awesome, man. It's a great story. Um, so tell us, like, you know, um, the, what exactly, you know, I think a lot of people, we could spend a lot of the episode just talking about what the AG's office does. You know, I think a lot of people don't know, you know, what roles the attorney general has and, and how broad the scope is of, of the different battles you're fighting on so many different fronts. So give us some kind of broad strokes on all the different types of things that the attorney general does. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, first and foremost, the AG is, every single state agency's judicial responsibility, every single agency's lawyer. So you think about New York State Department of Transportation, New York State Department of Health, New York State Docs, you know, all the hospital systems. Um, at the end of the day, I'd say about 80 to 85% of the lawyers on staff are going to court every single day defending the state of New York. We are a New York lawyer. Um, we're actually, by definition, the second biggest law firm in the country. The California AG's office is technically the biggest law firm. New York is the second biggest law firm. So you think about all of that litigation going on every single day, defense, proactive. Um, outside of that, so that's, that's one giant component that we handle, and that's kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, primarily, we're, we're fighting on behalf of New Yorkers in a bunch of different mediums every single day, too. Um, we are bringing actions against the federal government on New York's behalf and on joint coalitions with other states' behalf. Um, we are mitigating uh, disputes between landlords and tenants and fighting for tenants' rights. And, and I know our work is intertwined there a few different times. Yeah. Um, you know, we are, uh, we, we mediate consumer complaints against businesses all the time. And we, we try to make sure that, you know, and we can a little bit, we'll, we'll unpack what COVID has brought on us and, and all the new different scams and, and bad actors that we've uncovered since then. Um, but we have a team, myself included, who is on the phone with consumers almost every single day. 
um, we are responding to other elected officials and, and issues that they're seeing, they're bringing to our attention because we act as their legal counsel in that manner as well. Um, you know, we, man, I, it's, we have so many different, um, lemon law complaints. So we, we monitor, you know, if you have buy a lemon car, um, we, we help mediate those. Um, really every consumer issue you can think of where we're usually on, um, or we can help. The only thing we're not, and this always pains me to say, is we're unfortunately can't give out legal advice and we, we don't act on like your behalf as your lawyer. And so a lot of calls that we get are from constituents who are asking legal advice. You know, how, how should I handle this? Or, you know, my neighbor's property is, is a joint to mine and I think it's a little too far. How should I handle that? Unfortunately, we just have to say you have to call your private attorney more, more so than not. Um, but we usually have, if we can't help you, we can usually direct you to where you need to go. Um, just this week, I was staffing our election hotline. You know, we monitor um, fraudulent elections, elections complaints. Uh, we, we monitor all that activity. Charities, we regulate every single charity and not-for-profit in New York State. Um, every single disillusionment, every single real estate sale for a not-for-profit comes through the AG's office. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy that the things that our fingers are on on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, I, the broadest joke I can paint is that if you feel you're being defrauded in any manner, whether it is at Macy's, your private attorney, your landlord, please just bring it to the AG's office. Because if we can't directly help you, we are one degree of separation away from someone who can. And, you know, and, and we, try to, we try to advocate for that as much as we can. Yeah, well, we'll um, maybe in the, in the uh, afterwards I can put up some contact info if you want. For, yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure people can. If people are watching and they want to reach out to the AG's office, they just Google uh, Google search. Uh, yeah, and so here in Syracuse, we have a Syracuse regional office. Um, we have thirteen around the state, and you know, as the as the person who used to work for the man who managed them, um, that to me is the best way to get in. Is go to your nearest regional office. Um, if, if it's a broader issue, you bring it to us, we can get it to where it needs to go. We also have just New York state hotlines as well. Um, like for an election hotline, for example, that was, uh, that was just a main hotline that we were all manning. Yeah. So you worked for the previous, uh, attorney general and now you've, you you're working for, uh, uh, Letitia James, the new attorney general. What would you say, um, is different in, in her priorities? What, what is, uh, you know, what areas have been more forefront since she's taken the, the helm? And how do you think things have changed from the past to the present? Sure. So I've actually, I'm fortunate enough to say I'm 30 years old. I've worked for three attorney generals in about six years because Barbara Underwood was also in between uh, the previous attorney general and, and Tish James. Um, you know, Tish came from the New York City Public Advocate's Office. And, yep. um, you know, that her, she, of, of any... You know, I've only worked for three elected officials, but she has, she's ex extremely genuine. She cares. Um, her, you know, the initiatives that we take forward, I, one that immediately comes to mind that we just grabbed as soon as she came in the office is defending the census. And so um, for a little bit, of, just a little bit of background, um, we represented the coalition of New York State Attorney Generals um, to defend the census in the Supreme Court. Um, the federal government wanted to insert a, citizen, a citizenship question onto the census. 
um, for reasons that our office wasn't quite sure, um, we successfully were able to get that removed. And so, you know, I think about um, the impact that that has. Uh, we wanted to make sure every single New Yorker was accurately counted. Um, the census means more funding. It means ac accurate representation in Congress and the federal level. Um, it means so much for the next 10 years that we wanted to make sure that New York was getting its fair shake uh, on the grand scale. And, you know, I think about that as an analogy for how I think Tish James approaches being attorney general. And that's making sure every single voice is heard and every single voice matters. You know, she fought at the Supreme Court level to make sure that question was removed because it was going to drastically undercut New York State. And she wanted to make sure that every single person was was accounted for. And that's not to diminish any other previous administration by any means, but you know, I, I truly believe that she thinks that way um, with with whatever battle she takes on. And so I, you know, that's kind of helped shape my approach to initiatives. Um, and it's also, you know, I really just think it's a really good analogy going forward with how we, we take on certain things. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and have you guys, um, how are you involved at all with any other aspects of the census? Like for us from the city side, we, we're just so worried that the, uh, you know, I think and we're seeing similar numbers in Rochester and Buffalo that COVID, you know, traditionally a lot of the, the census numbers that we catch are are through hand-to-hand -hand interactions, going on, knocking people's doors, going to events and stuff. And obviously all of that's been taken out of the equation. Um, yep. You guys involved on that side of it at all, or is it mostly just defending the legality and, and the questioning that's coming in? Yeah, I mean, um, so I, I've been in pretty consistent contact with Tori Russo. Um, right before all this happened, we were actually hoping to get a joint census type rally together where the AG could partner with the city and the county to make sure awareness was out there for us. Obviously COVID has grounded a lot of those types of things, um, but any sort of outreach that you're aware of or that anyone listening is aware of that you think tagging the AG's name onto or that I can help get out there, we're certainly willing to help promote. Nice. Because we, we, we truly believe in it. And you know we fought so hard to make sure that every New Yorker is accurately counted. Now we wanna make sure that they actually answer it. Yeah. So I've, I've directed a few constituents throughout the COVID thing your guys' way, uh, usually stuff that's of like a sensitive nature and, and you know, people who um, are uh, sometimes hired by large employers that they want to, um, you know, report on and, and, and yep. deal with. You know, that's that's one of the things that people can do, you know, um, that they, they should be aware. Like you said, any any fraud that people see, reach out. Um, tell us some of the, you know, the bigger people you guys are, are going to bat against, you know, some of the people that the AG is facing off against and, and, you know, some of the bigger battles that you're fighting. Yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, we had a, uh, a pretty con a contentious Supreme court argument. Um, that, that was not the only one that, that we've had in Washington since this AG has been in. I, I, at one point, it was it was 22 lawsuits with the federal government. I, that was a long time ago. I don't not sure what the actual number is right now, but it was a lot of them. Um, you know, just most recently with um, after the George Floyd unrest and, and protests and and um, rallies that followed subsequently. Um, last week, uh, the AG held what was supposed to be a one-day hearing um, to allow protesters, elected officials. Uh, community advocates, community leaders, anyone really that wanted to offer testimony um, regarding 
uh, mistreatment during what was supposed to be peaceful protest. And like I said, it was supposed to be about one day. Uh, my, my team in New York City, my colleagues and my, my, my boss, our chief of staff, we, they, they were just re remarkable with getting um, well over 100 people to, to this hearing to testify. Um, you know, they built this platform for folks to, to really speak and, he and, and talk about what they saw, whether it was one night or, or throughout the weeks in which um, they were marching the streets. And, you know, the AG uh, certainly is proud and protects the right to a peaceful protest. And if those rights were infringed upon, um, you know, it's, it's her duty to explore that and hear from folks. Um, so like I said, what was supposed to be one day um, turned into three and a half days of testimony, um, which culminated in her taking testimony from the NYPD commissioner. Um, and so, you know, I think that not to uh, bulk any one, um, one bad actor together or, or, or anyone that she's taken on together, but, but really she's going to take on anyone that infringes on, on your rights. And um, she wanted to hear, and the AG's office wanted to hear from those um, that, that might have been involved with, with that taking place. Um, now, I don't want to prejudge any sort of findings with that investigation, um, but that's just one, one example of, of ways in which, you know, the AG's office is, is looking um, to protect rights. So of the 100 people who spoke, were most of them protesters, activists, people who, who, who were out there in the streets right now? Is that what the bulk of it was? Yeah, there, there were a lot of protesters and activists. There were also elected officials, um, you know, uh, and some were out there. Some had, were just speaking on behalf. Um, but, yeah, you know, really anyone in New York State was invited to submit testimony. Um, they, they took testimony from two witnesses from Buffalo, for example. So... Um, you know, it was, it was a way to, to hear from folks who felt like their rights were infringed upon and impacted. Um, you know, it's, uh, it was jointly with the governor looking into, um, practices and patterns of practices during what should have been peaceful protests. Yeah. So, uh, can you tell us about, um, the Donald, um, what what has uh, A.G. James' relationship been like with Trump? You know, we had uh, a lot of legal challenges here with uh, his tax returns. I believe a lot of that contributed to him becoming a Florida resident and all his skirmishes mm -hmm. around here. Uh, what what has her uh, interactions been with um, Trump personally beyond beyond the lawsuits with the federal government? Have, have there been instances with Donald? Uh, you know, that I can't speak to. I, like I said, I, I kind of, for better or worse, like being up in Syracuse for a lot of that. Um, you know, <laughs> but like I said, we, uh, we just were with, um, a bunch of other state AGs brought a successful, uh, lawsuit against DACA or, you know, uplifting DACA and, and solidifying DACA. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, I can't speak to what the personal side is by any means. Um, right. I like where I'm, Individual sure. cases aren't aren't for public discussion at the at this right. Time. Yep. Yeah. As far as I'm. Yeah. As far as I know. Okay. Um. So one of the other things that we've seen throughout this COVID situation is, um, you know, people utilizing this this crisis. You know, I one of the it, it was crazy. I was watching Ozarks. I don't know if you watched that one on on Netflix. Yeah. It's a brilliant show, but in season three, yeah, mine, uh, 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 in politics, you never let a good crisis go to waste. Um, I think a lot of people are, are definitely utilizing this 
this crisis to their own advantage, you know, in, in a lot of horrible ways that we've seen. And, um, you know, I thought it was, it was kind of crazy right as this crisis was rolling in. I heard that line and I, it's come, it's come into my head a million times since then. So you guys are at the front line of a lot of people trying to pull off scams and, and sh you know, grifting people and, and people pulling off shicey behavior. Maybe talk to us about some of the scams that are out there that you guys have come across and you've been battling. Yeah, man, it is. Um, you know, it never ceases to amaze me what people come up with, um, especially to prey on the most vulnerable that we have. Um, you know, it's, it's it, just this week, just today, um, you know, we've been working on a scam that's targeting um, a lot of public sector employees, especially ones that we've noticed are near retirement. Um, I think 120 Syracuse City School District uh, employees were targeted. There was an article in Syracuse.com about that a couple of days ago. Um, what they're doing is they're getting a letter in the mail that looks like it's from New York State Department of Labor and is basically like, hey, uh, and it's got a key card, in it, a key bank credit card in it. And it says, hey, you know, um, call this number to access your unemployment claim. And everyone who's getting it hasn't filed for unemployment. They actually are employed, so they shouldn't be filing for unemployment. And so they, you know, you call Department of Labor, and in order to get through the Department of Labor, you need you need a PIN code, um, of which you know these folks do not have. So um, they've been calling our office because it's notably a scam. And you know. Uh, and I can, this, if you want to share this too, Department of Labor did come out with a link that you can file a report on. Okay. Um, and we've got clear instructions and we sent a press release. I can forward it to you after this too. We sent a press release kind of laying out instructions um, for folks to, to properly follow. Um, you know, but I, I talked to our, our, my colleague out in Buffalo today. They've gotten like 100 calls just today on this. So it's statewide um, and it's really sophisticated which is the scariest one because it's going to, like I said, our most vulnerable, our public sector colleagues. Um, and they're, uh, you know, hopefully calling us, but I, I, it pains me to think about how many aren't calling us and how many are going through with it and turning over information they shouldn't. Um, I also would want to flag that if you are retired or near retirement and you do get that letter in the mail, you should flag it for your retirement system, um, if it's New York State retirement system or if it's uh, another public sector retirement system, because we think that maybe that this might be a way that they're trying to route into your retirement fund um, by, by getting your information and then pretending you're, you're a person and, and stealing your identity that way. So um, if you call, for example, New York State Department um, or New York State retirement system, uh, they'll put a little alert in your account and that way they'll add, they'll add some security levels to it. Um, just a way to help protect yourself. But that's just one that popped up this week. I mean, you know, when this thing started, uh, there were um, testing kit scams that we were hearing from, you know, like where people were, you know, I, nobody could get a test when this all started, right? This was all like, a, um, there, were, there were people who were sending fake tests to people, um, fake COVID tests. There was some fake cure pills out there that were brought to our attention. Um, you know, PPE scams where they 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 promised certain protections via PPE that weren't, you know, that weren't real. Um, you know, this mask can protect you from COVID. It was so early in the process, but you can't accurately say that. Did you guys, um, did you guys have any ones with PPE? Like a lot of the stuff that we, that we encountered with PPE from the council side was people promising 
delivery and then not coming through on it. Do you guys have any of those where people had, had, had promised to deliver and then were, were, were not really coming through on, on the orders? No, I didn't, not to my knowledge, but if you want to, after this, we can talk offline because I would imagine our consumer fraud folks or, or possibly even our taxpayer protection folks um, would be interested in that because, you know, that is, you know, uh, municipality money and funds that's going to something that's not being delivered on. Like we might be able to be helpful to you in that. Yeah. Oh no, we didn't, we didn't experience it, but we were just okay. we were encountering a lot of agencies. Like I talked to uh, the folks at center state and they were saying that, you know, a lot of folks were ordering, uh, we did get a lot of emails, you know, offering these, you know, cause I was saying to myself as, as all this PPE info was coming in, I was going, wait, these things are really hard to get. How is this? Yeah. You know, can I order 10,000 of them right now? And, yeah. uh, you know, eventually I called some of the center state folks and they were saying that what people were doing was just sending it out and then it might come three months later or whatever it is, you know, a promised few day delivery. And then, you know, they'll eventually send it. But when will it be? So right. I don't know if you guys had encountered any of that. Not really. Yeah, no. not, that's not to my knowledge. But again, it wouldn't shock me if we did elsewhere in the state. Um, mm. You know, I I'm just trying to think back. This all seems like a blur of how how far back it is. But. Um, you know, like I mentioned, the fake here is a fake. Uh, and then also, you know, this was an opportunity for some of the cat, like the classic scams. Like we talk about the, the grandparents scam a lot, right? Um, we, we just heard reports that those scams have actually really ratcheted up because um, everyone's home and everyone's by their phone. And so scammers are calling a lot more knowing that they're probably going to be likelier to get through. And so, um, you know, we say all the time, like even pre-COVID, we would say, you know, if, if you answer the phone, do not give any information out. Like no one needs your social security number. They, they just don't. Um, don't, don't put it online. Don't give it to anyone over the phone unless it's a really, really a trusted source. Um, be very careful with your bank information. Um, you know, and, and we get the scary ones a lot, which is mimicking grandchildren and, and saying that they need money fast or that they're, they're wow. in a car in the ditch, you know, and you, we just hear these horror stories. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, one of the really big downsides to not only this job, but just these types of crises are you really do see some of the worst in, in people. Um, and so just really be cautious and really be proactive in protecting yourself and your identity. Yeah. So you said there was 13 offices that, and yep. that's across the state or in the region? That's across the state, um, and then that's not including our Albany office and our New York City office, which is, you know, a lot of our team is headquartered in New York City. Um, so there, I'll name them real quick for you, but there's Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Watertown, Plattsburgh, and then Utica, Binghamton, uh, Poughkeepsie, Westchester, Brooklyn, Harlem, Nassau, and Suffolk. Uh, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have that previous job. I don't think, but, uh, you know, I'm leaning a little bit on that gig, but, um, yeah, so we've got, we've got bases all there. I cover myself, um, about 18 counties. So I'm in, I also cover the Watertown regional office, the Utica regional office and the Binghamton regional office. Wow. So how yeah. many people, so this is, this is something that, that, um, as we were talking, I was, I was really curious about cause we have such a hard time at the city level, keeping up with stuff like city line, you know, when you just have, you just have that flood of, of question, you know, of, of complaint calls coming in. Uh, how many staff do you guys have in the Syracuse office? And are you guys able, I mean, do you, do you have troubles with capacity with the amount of the flood of, uh, and especially like with, with unemployment, we saw a, you know, 
3000 fold increase in, in, uh, problems with unemployment. You know, did you guys see a surge when, when COVID happened and, and all the concerns that people have? Yeah, we did. And it, you know, what, what added insult to injury a little bit is we were also telecommuting as well. Um, we were really quick to kind of shut down. Um, and I, I was, busier than ever when I was telecommuting. Um, you know, it's just kind of like a rush when everything, you know, there was no, no idea of what normal felt like anymore. Um, so in Syracuse, all together, we probably between attorney support staff and others, investigators, we probably have between 45 and 50 employees. Um, you know, in terms of being able to help with consumer intake, um, we do a pretty good job. We're uh, we have a full-time consumer fraud rep. We have a full-time attorney who's dedicated to consumer fraud and affirmative work. Um, we have a few investigators and support staff who help us out when needed. So we take walk-ins. Um, our office did just recently move. So we're at 300 South State Street now. We used to be on 615 Erie Boulevard West. A lot of people still go there. Um, so we did move. We're, we're a lot more, you know, we're more in the heart of the city, in my opinion, now, which I really like. We're close to the courts, which our attorneys really like. Um, but we do take walk-ins. Um, you know, we have a du jour attorney who's willing to sit down with you and, and walk through steps every single day. Um, and we and our consumer fraud folks are are will, they're willing to help too. Now, obviously, COVID really kind of hampers a lot of that. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not even quite sure what the walk-in policy is going to be um, until we're a little bit back to normal. But in normal times, that's the case. Um, but again. We're, we're manning our phones as well. Anyone who needs to get in touch with us can, can get in touch with us. Yeah. What is, uh, what is a typical work week look like for you guys? Like what is, um, you know, what would you say, you know, for us, like, you know, as counselors, some of those, those constituent type calls are, are the, uh, the real meat and potatoes of like what we see the most, what type of, what type of stuff are, are you guys dealing with, uh, you know, week to week? Sure. Um, you know, we, like anyone, I think we, we keep a different set of longer, longer term projects and short immediate projects. Um, you know, before this happened, um, you know, I, I was kind of out in the field representing the attorney general whenever I could, I was helping staff her when she was in, in the regions. Um, you know, I, I agree with you where you never quite know where like a constituent call is going to go. Right. And yeah. so I've had, I've taken constituent calls where like, um, I think it's like a complaint that I'm probably going to either have to hand off to someone in a different office or like, we're not going to be able to help at all. And then turns out like three weeks later, that's turned into a statewide case. Right. Um, you know, I think back to when I was working at the AG's office the first time, um, there was a, a case that we ended up bringing against Macy's. It was like a gift card, a blind spot in their policy where like you weren't able to return something that was bought on a gift card and we ended up like whoever took the complaint i'm sure was like yeah what what like that makes no sense that ended up being like close to two hundred thousand dollar consumer case for the ag's office statewide because they were able to look at all the different macy's around the state um so you just never know what it's going to be so yeah i mean you know i have complaints a lot of times most times i should say forwarded from elected officials like yourself like you know magnarelli and, and pam hunter's office and Al Sturpey's office will will take a constituent complaint and say this sounds like an AG's office. They'll get it up over to me, um, you know. So that does set my daily priorities a lot of times. Um, but again, we're also working on longer term projects that um, are regionally focused or statewide focused that 
are important to the office and important to New Yorkers. And, and we're just trying to make sure that we get to the, the goalposts out of it. Nice. So we did have one question from online about um, about the legalization of marijuana. Does the AG have any takes on that? Any opinions? You know, it's uh, it's a legislature issue. Um, I, I can't really speak to where we are or where she is on it um, as an office. And like I said, it's, uh, it's one of those where we're we are the the legal defender and proactor of the state, and that's that's a legislature issue, as far as I know. Oh, okay, um, well, I appreciate it coming from that. Yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about a, a big thing in New York State politics, you know, and especially for us in upstate is, you know, I always make the analogy of when you're when you're canvassing and you're campaigning as a politician, um, it's it's a, a much greater challenge to go to an area where. Uh, you know, if you go into an urban core where you can hit, you know, 40 houses in an hour where the houses are very tightly spaced together versus if you are, say, you know, campaigning in Manlius where it's a, a mile between each house, um, you know, it's much easier. And I think we have that same kind of dynamic in New York State where New York City is just you've got, you know, millions of people right on top of each other. And, you know, how many Congress representatives and assembly representatives are all in that few, you know, that few miles of space versus, yeah. you know, all of upstate. So it's always a challenge for upstate to, um, you know, get a seat at the table and, and feel, uh, you know, feel like they're, they're getting their, uh, their share that they're treated equally with downstate. So how does, uh, how do you guys in the AG's office deal with that, with, uh, with yeah. Tish having to do so much with the city, you know, and it's just natural. Cause I think, you know, so many of her constituents are down there. How does she find time to, to give upstate the equal love that, that, uh, it feels it, it needs, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, she was a New York city public advocate. She, uh, is from Brooklyn and, and has just a tremendous amount of relationship within the city um, and all for good and the right reasons. Um, you know, I mentioned I cover 18 counties. If you actually look at that on a map, you know, all the way up to St. Lawrence County, all the way down to Tioga County, everything in between, it's just a huge corridor of the state. Um, and, you know, like I, I, I speak with constituents out in Madison County all the time and, and hear about the issues that they're up against with rural healthcare and rural internet access. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're extremely mindful of those, of those circumstances. I feel like it's, it is my job to make sure that I am flagging it internally the right way and making sure that our executive team is aware of them. And they, they are amazing at it. Um, you know, we held a, a joint town hall with Congressman Anthony Brindisi and his constituents that spanned, you know, from Utica to Binghamton. We were getting questions from Cortlandville. Um, we were getting questions. I, I've seen most of New York State, pretty much everything New York State has to offer. Um, you know, I grew up in Rochester. My my grandparents and, and my mom are, are from Addison, New York, just south of Corning. Um, so pretty much the entire Southern Theater in Central New York, I've seen it. I've seen it all. And I was getting questions from towns and villages I had never heard of. And so, you know, and the AG was able to, was just great with the constituents and, and inherently understood every single issue. Um, you know, and, and even in COVID times, you know, we've been responding to, um, labor issues that we're hearing from not only people downstate, but from, you know, the, the farm issues up in Oswego and in Madison County where, where there were hotspots. Um, you know, we, we were fielding complaints from, from 
from uh, from constituents all over the all over the state. And so, um, you know, I, I I definitely agree with you that it, it feels that way sometimes. But I can confidently say from from an AG perspective, um, our footprint uh, spans from Buffalo to the border and and all the way across. Yeah, and when you talk about some of those COVID things, like you know, I, I think um, you know, I had some people who were. Um, Maybe you could get into some of those ones around COVID, like, you know, um, employers not using PPE in those situations. Have you guys gotten calls like that, like stuff about, uh, you know, COVID specific or people being forced to work in environments that they don't feel safe? Is that something the AG's office touches? It does, yeah. So we have a labor bureau, an absolutely fantastic labor bureau, who um, when this uh, really hit, um, we opened up a hotline and we we're taking complaints um, from employees who don't feel like their protections are being met um, from a health standard or wherever they work, um, COVID related. And so I can share that information with you too. We're still taking them. Our, our hotline is still up and running. Um, but yeah, and I had the stat for it. We, we've taken thousands uh, of calls and are trying to help um, all New Yorkers if they don't feel safe in the workplace. Good. So another thing you guys handle is kind of white collar crime, right? Like some of that, yeah. that the higher end stuff, like how um, ha- have you found that that's, how does that come to you? Do you guys, is that from, like you were saying, sometimes you get constituent complaints that don't ferment for, for months afterwards. Is, is that that kind of thing? How does, how does some of the white collar crime end up in the AG's office? Yeah, um, that's a great question and probably way above my pay grade. Um, but, uh, you know, we like I said, we, we are headquartered down in the city. So we're pretty close proximity to Wall Street. But, um, you know, my guess is that um, we have an incredibly talented staff across all those levels. Um, they, they probably, similar to how a constituent consumer case would, would unfold, um, get complaints in that same manner. Um, follow the news. Um, you know, I can't, I'm not sure what their process looks like, to be completely honest with you. I just know they're remarkable and they, they deliver remarkable results for New Yorkers. Yeah. And have you, do you know of any uh, larger, like, white collar stuff that's that's come through that's been, uh, like, you know, newsworthy stuff? Um, I'd have to go back and look. Honestly, everything, especially up here, has just been so COVID focused. Yeah. Um, but I know we've had some, some really big wins as an office. Um, so I'll go back and I'll look for you. Maybe that's something you can share for me too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, is, is there anything else you want to relay about about the work you guys are doing? Any other topics that we missed that you're that you're thinking so, of? One thing, that, and I should have mentioned this when I was talking about PPE, but we also, re- when this really hit, um, the AG and some staff down in New York City really took it upon themselves to. Um, distribute a ton of PPE within the city. I mean, and, and across the state. Um, now, I, I don't think that's become such a pressing issue anymore. It sounds like everyone has the right access to that. But at one point, we had to distribute like 22,000 gloves, like thousands and thousands of masks. Um, and so we, you know, and it kind of speaks back to your earlier question about, um, you know, who is who is Tish James as an attorney general? You know, I, I think that also speaks to who she is, too, which is on a very granular level, even though it's not in the attorney general's purview to do something like this, she was distributing PPE to those who needed it. Um, so I should have mentioned that in the PPE scams, but uh, it's just another way in which we were trying to help. That's awesome. And can you talk about, like, her uh, 
Tisha James's uh, path to office, kind of, uh, you know, from from public advocate um, to AG, the distinction between the two and how, you know, how she transitioned? Sure. So, again, I, you know, my New York City uh, politics and in, in mindset is, isn't great since I sit up here. But, um, yeah, she was a New York City public advocate, um, second ever, I believe. Um, and, you know, there is a ton of crossover between the public advocate's office and the AG's office, uh, especially when it comes to outreach and consumer focus um, and, and holding, holding those accountable that need to be held accountable. Um, so she really, in terms of New York State job training, she probably had as close as you could get to that, to that role. Um, you know, before that, she served on the New York City Council. Um, and actually, back uh, before that, she was the head of the Brooklyn Regional Office at the AG's office. Um, so she understands the she understands the mechanisms in which we can help uh, protect New Yorkers at, uh, at every level and every at every geographic location. Um, so, like I said, she you know the training that she got in the PA's office uh, only equipped her to be a phenomenal Attorney General. Nice. So, uh, fun round before we go. Uh, I'll ask you a few favorites. Favorite book. Oh man, uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Really, anything by Malcolm Gladwell, but Blink is the best one that I've read. Have you checked his podcast at all? Oh, it's my yeah. Revisionist history is uh, yeah. Usually, I'll, I'll listen to it and then I'll sit and stare blankly for like twenty minutes and just think about everything that I just listened to. I, I I'm guilty of that. Yeah, have you done Broken Record too? What is? That? I don't even know what that is. He did another one with um, what's his name, Rick Rubin. And they, they that's right okay they go through records and stuff it's pretty cool go through the All history right, i gotta check that out yeah yeah that's cool um i think he's pr producing on that rick rubin takes most okay. of the driver's seat on that um favorite movie oh that's a great question um it's say... one singular all time you can, you can just throw one out there i got two and there's two different categories that mean two different things to me i'm a huge comedy fan um, so Wedding Crashers is always going to be my favorite comedy of all time. Nice. Uh, I've, you know, in the past like three years, I think I've been to 20 weddings. And so it's really just really <laughs> hit home. Uh, and then my favorite non-comedy is Shawshank Redemption, which I've been thinking about a lot recently, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of my all-time favorites. Nice. Uh, currently watching Netflix. Any, any good shows? Um, so I actually just finished, not on Netflix, but I just finished The Sopranos. Uh, I, I never really sat down and watched it. I watched it oh, from a wow. distance in college. Yeah, and like I'd catch an episode here and there, but I actually sat down and I watched it, and it's it's just phenomenal. Um, you know everything everything about it. Um, right now on Netflix, I got to be honest with you, my wife and I are just like I mentioned earlier, we're huge comedy fans. So we're I rewatched. I think I'm on my like eleventh time rewatching The Office, and <laughs> we are uh, we're, we're rewatching Parks and Rec right now, which is another another favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah, that's actually in the hopper right now. I, I just came oh. from this episode before we started. Perfect. Um, and then let's talk uh, SU, favorite favorite Cuse basketball players. Uh, again, I've got two, um, maybe three. So Jerry McNamara will always just be my, my favorite. Like that era to me was from him and, him and Mello as a freshman all the way to like when he carried us to the ACC or the Big East uh, championship title senior year and went off against – West Virginia, like that whole, uh, that whole era to me is so, is so key. And then I'm also a humongous Akeem Warwick fan. Um, nice. we'll just, you know, that whole, I'm that I'm just, I, I get so happy when I think about those teams. 
Uh, and then a, a soft spot for Deion Waiters. Um, I just always just loved uh, – I loved watching him. I loved how carefree he was. Yeah, that guy just, just doesn't care. Like, he just, like – he will shoot when everyone in the world knows he shouldn't take that shot. He doesn't care, man, and he's launching it up. Um, so, yeah, I'm, really, I'm excited, man. I hope we get it this year. Uh, I, I'm excited for this team. I'm excited for the program's going. Yeah, I'm – I just hope we can get out there sometime soon, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, really just, just hoping that we get some kind of vaccine or something together soon, man. It's, it's, it's a hard time for, especially for sports fans, man. I, I don't know how I'll deal with winter without Q's basketball if we can't watch games. You're telling me if I don't, if I don't get the Bills, which I know you're a Bills fan too, if I don't get the Bills and, and Q's basketball, that that might be the it. That might be it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my Q's basketball. I. I the the ones that come to mind right now, I'd probably say are, um, I mean, obviously Mello and 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 G Mac, of course, will always hold hold the top spots for for that championship. But I think Benajay was 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 nice at, at a super sweet spot for, and then uh, West Johnson as well, man. Just just a real. So you like those transfers? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's both that that kind of quiet, shy guy, you know, real nice kind of kind of vibe, but. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And and I like, uh, you know, we've had a lot of those um, those kind of one-hit wonders. Like I think about like Andrew White and even even Elijah Hughes to some extent, um, yeah. where they kind of come in, they make an instant impact, and then they're gone. Uh, but but Bayheim is has really kind of unearthed some some gems that way. Yeah. So, dude, thanks, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Anything you want to uh, let people know before you go, like direct people to. So once again, like to clarify for folks who want to know, um, the AG's office tackles, you know, like I think you said anyone who feels that they've been defrauded by someone or, or anyone who feels that they've been taken advantage of, uh, the AG's office is there, if not as the source of, um, you know, your champion in that fight, at least to direct you to resources. Um, so yeah, anything you want to say along those lines, the stuff that people should know about the AG's office, where to go? Yeah. So very generally our website is, um, ag.ny.gov. Um, that, that can pretty much direct you anywhere you want to go. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I think the most effective way is to, um, visit your nearest regional office on that website. You can be directed there. Um, I will send Joe over some information that he can post after this episode. Uh, that I think will be pertinent for folks. Um, but yeah, no, I listen, man, I appreciate you doing this. Um, you know, even though I'm not from Syracuse originally, it feels like my home now. Um, and so I, I appreciate you bringing on all these guests and uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. I hope we can do it again. Awesome, dude. Yeah, sorry I dipped out there for a second. I don't know what happened. My, my internet uh, just, just dropped out for a minute. Um, oh, Marty Mashpole says we should have mentioned the Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, probably rest in peace. Uh, that yeah, he you know I wasn't able. I've always really seen highlights, uh, but he seems awesome. He seems yeah. great. That's well, what's anyway, going on, Marty? <laughs> thanks so much, brother. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for all the work you're doing no around problem, town, brother. Anytime, same to you, and uh, stay safe out there. All right, original grain when this is over. All right, all right buddy. Bye.